You're listening to your art friends, Beth Radloff and Andrew Thompson. They're about to have a thoroughly unserious discussion about art. But don't worry, whether you're Da Vinci or the worst, there's room on this palette for every color. If this is your first time listening to Creatives Brainstorm, be forewarned, because once you start looking at life like an artist, there's no undo button. I'm Beth. And I'm Andrew. And And we're we're your art art friends. friends. Welcome to a smooth jazz time. I decided that we were going to do this a little more relaxed this time. I did drink coffee, so I'll probably not be as relaxed as I want to be, but I just want you guys to know I'm trying my best. Andrew, how best are you trying? Well, I kept myself from being the opposite of you and being the same level of energy as as we normally do at the beginning. I appreciate that. Counteract your smooth jazz. We're smooth guys. I'm a girl. <laughs> <laughs> You've done that before in an episode <laughs> where you've been like, yeah, we're 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 boys. And then you're like, I mean I'm a girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's tr- it's true. I wouldn't lie. I wouldn't lie about that. I'm definitely a girl. I was just sharing with him and with our guest, we'll get to him in a minute, um, the most recent thing that I was paid to do, which was, you guys familiar with Disney Plus' new TV show? It's Andrew? (laughs) Disney Plus would never. (laughs) I mean, you don't know. They got Marvel. I... Have you ever seen anyone have sex on a Marvel TV show? No. No! It's Disney! They can show big punches, but no titty. They can cut heads off. No titties. Big robot violence, but the nude form? Nah. No. Turner and Hooch! You heard that show? <laughs> oh, with uh, with Josh from, from Drake and Josh. Oh, I didn't know that. I was just given pictures of the dog so that I could turn the dog into a drooling gif. That's what I did this week. And I'm uh, genuinely upset that all of all of the power in the world and and what I'm asked to do is to make a a drooling dog gif. It'd be really funny if you won an award for that. (laughs) (laughs) You can't pick what you're known for. Yeah. Like Beth Radloff. Better known as the artist that created the gift for what, what was it? Turner and Hooch. The Disney original Turner and Hooch. Uh, capitalism is a, is a sin against me. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to introduce our guest, Timothy Von Ruden. Welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank you for having me, you two. Yeah. Oh, oh, he's got the natural smooth jazz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's got that Minnesota, the the Minnesota voice. Or the Wisconsin. Minnes- Wisconsin. I was going to say, I'm offended. This I, is Wisconsin. Sorry. Oh. Wisconsin charm. It's just like Indiana and Ohio. Those two states just blend together. Get wrecked, everybody from Indiana and Ohio. <laughs> hey, I'm from, I'm from Indiana and I live in Ohio. Get wrecked, <laughs> Andrew. 
to himself. I feel like I'm qualified to say that. <laughs> I'm just trying to like be your buddy. I'm just trying to be behind you like, yeah, he's right. He's right. Oh no, I'm insulting too many people. <laughs> no, Wisconsin people are okay being insulted. Like we we're aware of our slowness and we just accept it. I I feel like I'm being cradled. <laughs> The way that I know Tim, he was a mentor to me. And so I automatically have like a high regard to him because of the way that we met. So if he speaks in my ears, I've got headphones on and it just feels like I'm, I'm being taken care of. Uh, that's just Wisconsin people in general. <laughs> we were natural <laughs> hosts. We like taking care. So, Tim, introduce yourself. What do you do? What do you like? What's your hair color? Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Timothy. Uh, I love drawing more than uh, anything in the art realm, so I, I'm here to talk about that. And my hair color is uh, faded brown. It's not appealing, but it does the job. That would be a good t-shirt. It's not appealing, but it does the job. <laughs> <laughs> What's the job? It can serve as a bird's nest if necessary. It's very, <laughs> it's very bristly. I joked as a kid that it's so Velcro-like that I could attach myself to the ceiling if it had the little pad on the top. My hair is just, it's curly, but it's thick, and it's just usually a little more, you know, Velcro-y. I don't know. There's no nice way to describe how I feel about my oh, hair. No, you know when you're a kid and you and you do like field day and they get those big blow-up runways and you have two like velcro pads and they hold you to a bungee cord and you have to run 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 up the runway and then try to hit those velcro pads as far up as you possibly can and then the bungee cord like rips you backwards i'm having horrible thoughts about timothy running 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 head planting into the velcro being ripped backwards <laughs> just hair getting pulled out and his hair getting pulled out no, what you don't understand is I wouldn't be pulled back because my hair is so thick. I would just cement to that wall. <laughs> they would need a team to pull me off the wall. The kids would talk about that for years. You'd become a legend. Yeah. Yeah. And in Wisconsin, you'd be admired for that rather than ridiculed. <laughs> I mean, that sounds good. Sounds healthy. Much healthier than the rest of the world. <laughs> I just feel like Midwesterners just don't take things as seriously, I don't think. Okay, Tim. Yes, Beth. You have a wide range of skills, and I know you to primarily be a pencil artist. Welcome to Would You Rather. Let's say you break mm. a pencil. Would you rather that it continuously spew out more pencils, but they're like wet as if they were being birthed? Or... An upset pencil ghost emerges, moaning into your ear about all the embarrassing things that you've done with ex-lovers whenever you sit down to work on your illustrations. You know, <laughs> thinking about this, I was like, I was very much imagining them both in my head. But the second one I would have to pick because I don't mean to throw myself under the bus, but I don't really have a lot of ex-lovers. So I feel like it would be a very short <laughs> conversation. Beth's reaction to that. <laughs> I think this is a lot Are shorter you, of a would so you rather than she inspected. You, you, so you never got really drunk and made out with your best friend. And then afterwards, when he wanted to date, you said no. And then he wrote a really nasty song about you and played it at a party for everybody to hear and everybody knew. That never happened to you? 
No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, okay, maybe to equal out your embarrassment right now, I will say that as a gay person, uh, guys specifically seem to be more as like a business exchange when you go on Grindr things. So it's very much you get to the point and then you leave. <laughs> Terms and conditions. There's like a... Yeah, it's like both parties are getting something out of it and then you leave and there's no aftermath. There's no talking. There's no like, did that mean something more? (laughs) Would you like your uh, paper receipt or by email? (laughs) So you never went to a birthday party that your ex-boyfriend threw for you and he bought you all the things you like and baked a cake that had all your favorite stuff and it was very clear that he was trying to get back together with you but you didn't want to so you fell asleep in in a, a different room and then in the middle of the night he came into the room and he cried and he threw a promise ring at you and left a promise ring yeah i thought i was midwestern you got a promise <laughs> ring <laughs> it had puzzle pieces all over it you do like puzzles <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, actually, yeah, I think you know you do inform me. What's a promise? I know what a purity ring is. I don't know what a promise ring is. You know when you're like 17 years old and that's too early to get married, but your boyfriend's like a little bit too serious about you and and you have to make him calm down so you give him a promise ring? It's like a promise that eventually will get engaged and then you break up with him and he's like, did this mean anything? And you're like, no. I'm sorry, Beth. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It worked. Everything worked out. (laughs) So you're going to go with the ghost? As fun as the first one would be, I think the ghost one would be very short-lived and I can get back to work. (laughs) (laughs) I I like the idea that the ghost comes out, takes a look at you, says the one thing that he only knows to say, and then just like shrugs. And hangs out with a cigarette in the corner. Just like, the ghost just like sits down with its phone, just scrolls through Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, that's what what it should have been. Like, there's a ghost in your pencil, and then every time you're drawing, it sits in the corner, and it just like watches TikToks really loudly. Ooh. (laughs) There, there, I touched it. I hit it. (laughs) I'm having like a serious dilemma. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, we're going to talk about drawing naked people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's definitely something that is an inherent part of being an artist, figure drawing. Mm-hmm. And we've all gone to art school, everybody here. And we, you know, wanted to bring Tim on so that uh, we didn't sound crazy talking about how ridiculous figure drawing is when you really start to think about it. Yeah. <clears throat> so we are going to <laughs> that uncomfortable silence you just felt that's how it is doing life drawing. yep yep <laughs> you know when you just feel like you have to talk to break the ice that's figure drawing but we are going to talk about some of our funny experiences during figure drawing when we were in school or uh, i know for me i've taught and I've gotten to witness students in their first time figure drawing, which is just a oh, magical experience to be standing on I the sidelines, watching them react. Um, but Tim, uh, I don't know if you have any of those experiences as well, because I know you did some teaching for a bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
I don't want to steer anyone away from figure drawing with these conversations because oh, I no. do think oh, it definitely is it's not. Great. Yeah. incredibly beneficial. But I went to the Art Institute in Illinois and the models that they brought us, mind you, we're all 18 at this point. Uh, the models they brought in were very Midwestern. And a lot of them even chose not to be fully naked. So life drawing was very weird my first couple semesters because we would get someone who I don't remember their name, but to be blunt, it, they basically looked like Ursula and they refused to wear anything but a one-piece bathing suit. And I remember thinking, what? This isn't even practical for a life drawing session. And then, yeah. the, and then the gentleman that we would get uh, they only knew uh, sports poses, so we got a lot of swinging a bat, <laughs> swinging a golf club, <laughs> throwing a football, uh, and they were the most unusable poses for us as fantasy illustrators. But I will say, it it was an amazing experience overall. But the first time that it happens, oh, it is interesting looking around because everyone's a little nervous. Everyone gets a little nervous before their first time doing figure drawing. Yeah, and I and I want everybody who's listening, if you haven't done any figure drawing, put yourself in that mindset. You are new to this. You've never done it before. You know that you're going to be going to a nude figure drawing class. Imagine what it looks like. There's going to be a stage. Somebody is going to be upon that stage without clothes. There's going to be a half circle or a whole circle of artists in tears, um, sitting or standing with their easels. They're and just their... all crying. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be wild. You walk into a figure drawing class and everybody's just like so upset. Yeah. It's so beautiful. They're just crying so much. (laughs) Know that when it's the first time that you're doing this, your brain is trying to sort out all of the kind of um, cultural associations that you have with nudity with what this experience is. Because now... Now you're looking at the body as this piece of artwork, as this form, versus, like, if you're trying to kiss up on somebody, the nudity in in that kind of environment. And it it takes a minute for your brain to, like, split those things apart. Mm -hmm. No, I think you see people are really nervous. I even had a couple friends that, you know, they grew up very religious, very sheltered. So for them, this was their first time really seeing a human, like, male anatomy in person. And, yeah, you could always tell... The first few weeks, the the students that kind of drew around the nether region area and wouldn't necessarily draw the genitals. Uh, so yeah. Like super detailed, super detailed, super detailed, super detailed, super detailed. Nothing super detailed, super detailed. <laughs> <laughs> if this was your first time figure drawing, would you draw the donger? Absolutely. I was one of those artists where I knew it was impressive to capture the entire <laughs> body because my high school uh, teacher was so not mean to me, but very, you know, strict. And she yelled at me for stuff like that before. So when I went into life drawing, I was like, I'm going to draw the most fleshed out nipples in mm-hmm. under region that I possibly can. And when we all put our assignments up on the wall, you better believe I got a compliment <laughs> from the teacher. <laughs> you had a cast shadow on that thing. Hell yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Build it from the trunk up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, you focus on the area that's going to be the most... Uh, scene and then you build out from there i mean you just got to follow that happy trail <laughs> <laughs> andrew i promise we're we're joshing about this it's it's not the attitude that you have going into it like it's funny because i do want to balance this conversation to be like yeah it's silly it's goofy we all know that there's a silliness to this but also 
none of us are walking into that room uh, teasing the model or not taking this seriously. Not at all. Not at all. Everyone's too nervous. Yeah. Everyone just wants to like be in their little cubby, be like, I'm not actually here. Mm -hmm. And And on top of that, it's vulnerable to draw in front of other people. Mm -hmm. And so it's vulnerable to draw somebody who's nude. It's vulnerable for that person to be nude in front of you. And it's, it's vulnerable to have a bunch of folks standing around with 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 the ability to look at what you're drawing and what you're drawing is a little bit of nippy i have <laughs> i have a question for you guys yeah. though because when i came from high school i think i was a little too headstrong and i remember i wanted to i love the idea that we would put our stuff on the wall mm-hmm. after and like see like rank each other because mm-hmm. i was very competitive at that time still i'm <laughs> a little bit but i went in there wanting to be like yes like let's compare notes and then i think i was like incredibly shut down a a few pegs because I noticed I wasn't the best in the class. And it was very interesting and, you know, humbling to go from high school where, you know, big fish, small pond to you're thrown into the ocean and you're like, oh, okay. There's more than just these little tuna that I've been, you know, swimming with. Mm -hmm. But did either of you feel like that going into the first time, not no much nervous, but like, I want to show off my skill set. 100 percent i relate to that 100 percent um the first time i ever figure drew was in high school what it mm-hmm. yeah I, I i talked about this in the first episode of our podcast so i won't belabor it too long but i took a class at a art center and that was the first time i ever did figure drawing and so i had that experience under my belt so when i went to college and i went into that first class i was like bitches the teacher's gonna hold my work up and be like this is what you strive to be uh, and I didn't make a lot of friends in college for those reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but weren't there other like-minded people like you? I felt like I found people that felt similar of like, yeah, let's, I think I'm the best. And then mm-hmm. you find out, no, we're not. But I think the <laughs> most disheartening thing from life drawing was I realized how bad I was at proportions. Mm. I did either yeah. of you kind of go to life drawing and then a week or two and be like, Oh my gosh, I totally don't know how to draw the back of a leg. Yeah, I um I also did a figure drawing course in high school. I did these Saturday morning art classes. What? And um it was in Indiana, so again kind of like going to your experience Tim, like we had models that were wearing like a spandex like black suit, I guess. But like that was my first experience to figure drawing and I even remember even at that young of an age and like not being in college yet thinking oh this isn't this isn't figure drawing this isn't what i signed up for i thought this was like going to be like nude nude figure drawing because i wanted to get that experience yeah prior to getting to art school my high school they had a decent art program but they didn't have like ap art or anything like that Mm. and so i wanted to have kind of an upper hand in terms of going into college I took figure drawing, I took like a painting class, I took comic illustration, all those things. But I definitely remember um, going into art school again, feeling like, oh, yeah, like, I'm so good. Like, look at all my my awesome stuff. And then like looking around the room and seeing, oh, that's way, way better than what I did. Or that's really good. Mm hmm. That feels so good to happen, though. Oh, yeah. Because then you only run as fast as the people around you. So if you're surrounding mm-hmm. yourself by, like, very skilled folk, it's going to push you to be even better. 
Andrew, I was curious because you and I both come from anime backgrounds. Like we were we were anime kids growing up. And so to this oh. day, oh no, I <laughs> got the eye roll from Tim. To this day, my eyes are too big. <laughs> I cannot draw eyes the right size on a face. And it's a And it's Beth's a curse. actual eyes are also too big. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> hey. Okay. If you've never seen me, I have I have normal eyes. I mean, anime kids are great. I think my association with them in college was they would be the kids near me, specifically life drawing. And like, I'm trying to listen to this renaissance classical music. And I can just hear in the headphones to my left and my right, like My Chemical Romance on one side. And then we have like ICP on the okay, other. And I'm just in the middle, like... ICP? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, wait, what is, can you explain to our listeners what ICP is? The insane clown posse, Andrew. They go, baby. Juggalos. Juggalos. Mind you, I'm not super familiar. I was definitely the hippie of my high school art career, but obviously there's a lot of gothy emo art kids. Mm -hmm. So I would always sit at a table and we would always have these adamant, violent conversations about what music was better and uh i would always lose because i was a team of one when i when i think of words to describe you it's definitely violent yeah if you could then you you, you cuts to us talking very very soft-spoken yeah. calmly like oh i think afi deserves more credit in his field of craft you go home just fuming yeah go punch a wall <laughs> punching walls <laughs> write it down in your death note <laughs> He would never. He would never. <laughs> I never watched a real anime until I was in college because I watched Dragon Ball Z and a lot of those ones. But the only anime uh, associations I had were Ghibli. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At all counts. I have a question about figure drawing for you guys. Yes. In the room, you've got your model in the middle. You've got everybody who uh, sits on the low horses in the front. The people who are on the high horses in the middle and the folks on stools in the back. Where do you sit in the figure drawing class? Second row to the left. Second row to the left. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, I definitely not first row. I'm not even a first row person in like a normal classroom, like let alone having a naked person on a stage. Like I'm definitely not going to be in the front row. Um because I feel like, too, if you're in the front row, you're also, like, underneath all the lights. And then it gets hot and uncomfortable. But then if you're too far away, then you can't get much, like, detail. See. Or you get, like, yeah. people's heads in the way. And then and then you have to, you know, deal with that age-old question of, do you draw your classmate's head in front of the figure? Do you make it a scene? Or do you just leave that part out? Mm-hmm. You didn't answer my question, my dude. <sighs> Well, it depends on what way they're facing. Like if I don't I don't like doing straight on shots. I try to do like a three quarter angle. So usually I would move so that I'm like a three quarter so middle to the left, huh? Yeah, or right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm dead center front. <laughs> you're the you're really? the person who sits right in front of Jeff Goldblum when he lays on the table and just mm-hmm. bears it all. I wanna I wanna to smell him. <laughs> you you know what though beth yeah. i will say the older i get the more i became a front row center person even at workshops i now i always am front row or as close as i can yeah in a classroom you got to be careful front row in a classroom teacher's pet you got to go one back 
Yeah. Second to the front that row. That would be me. Then yeah. nobody suspects suspects you of learning too well. <laughs> Ooh, here's a question for, for, for both of you. When the teacher would set up the lights or when the model would like sit down, if you've already chosen your spot, how long did it take you to work up the courage to get up and move to a better spot? Or did you stick it out? Because I know, I know the whole like, from having taught, I know that students will sit down and you're just like, fuck, this is my spot. I cannot move. No time. I'll fucking get up. I'll move my chair. I'll ask. Well, I won't ask people to move. I don't impose on other people's stuff. But if there's a better opportunity, like, yeah, dude, I was paying $33,000 a year to go to this college. Do you think I'm going to sit down in this chair and just get cooch only? <laughs> That's fair. I think for me, it definitely took till my sophomore year before I had the courage to like get up after like everybody was like sitting down and it was quiet and like the model was like finally in their position and like relaxed. And then the teacher like put on the quiet music. I finally mm -hmm. like worked up that courage sophomore year to be like, okay, I can get up and like, it's not going to, everyone's head isn't going to turn to me. Well, it is mortifying when the quiet music is happening. Everyone's like quietly sketching and you're the one just scooting, grabbing your backpack and <laughs> grabbing your water bottle and it opens and spills all over Wait, the floor. Let me get to my other chair. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, uh, I had to switch chairs when we record now because my other, my, my desk chair that I use mm -hmm. is from eighth grade and it squeaks and makes all these obnoxious noises. Timothy, tell him, Tell him to, to love himself. Be the sophomore of your own adulthood and get yourself a nice chair. I'm this close to buying it. The other day I was looking at it and I was trying to decide what uh, features and what's, things I wanted on it. Yeah, what's holding you back? Is it the features? Uh, I think, no, no. The thing that was holding me back was I need to measure my current chair and make sure I get the right height. You gotta measure your current... What did it... What? What? Well, my... <laughs> So my desk is slightly taller than like a regular sitting desk because I wanted it to be kind of an in-between. <laughs> yeah. And because of that, I should probably measure the right height that I need my chair to be so that it's not either too high or too low. And there's three different options for this chair I'm looking at. All right. How long would it take you to measure? Well, I don't, I can't find my measuring tape. <laughs> Oh, I, I didn't realize this was such a process. I think the chair I'm sitting on, I found on the side of the road and I threw it in my van. <laughs> I was like, wow, well, this is it now. So you, you got a chair just like so many people get dogs. <laughs> like, oh, look, here's this dog I found. <laughs> this is mine. Mm hmm. But actually going back to the uh, would you mm -hmm. get up? I was actually one of those kids. I never moved. Never moved. All three years. Commitment. All three years of college life drawing. I never moved. Did you always sit at the same bench? Yeah. What What makes the perfect figure drawing spot? Insecurity about moving and making noise. <laughs> <laughs> so staying, staying put. Uh, no, I, I still haven't. I didn't find my confidence in myself yet at that point. So I was definitely one of those like, I don't want to inconvenience anyone. Oh, that's so interesting. Your psychology is interesting because you, you had this like fire burning confidence inside and you wanted critiques mm -hmm. and you wanted to uh, be a part of this and to show your stuff. But then you also had this like quietness about not wanting to bother and not not wanting to take up too much space. 
Yeah, without going too much of a tangent, I will say I never wanted attention, like ever. But the only way I found my way of communicating with people was through a visual language. And like that was art. So I liked getting praised or attention. Maybe my ego needed to be stroked in that Mm -hmm. way. But if it was just me as a person, I never felt great about how I looked, how I sounded. Like I was very much, I never dressed fancy. I didn't really care about clothes. So I was like, you know what? My, my, you know, thing to the world will be drawing and me as a person will just be the leftovers. (laughs) (laughs) But it wasn't until I was like 23, 24 ish. Uh, that I kind of came into my own. Yeah. And then now I like, I really found, uh, you know, that people enjoy you as a person more so than what you do. And that was a really hard lesson for me to learn is, you know, people wanted to be my friend yeah. without knowing what I did. Yeah. Yeah. We, we never wanted attention Anyways. either. That's why we started a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Don't listen to us. <laughs> I mean, all artists want attention on some on level. Some I level. think we can all admit it. Mm-hmm. On some level. And then once you get it to a certain degree, it's very much a drug and you want more of it. Mm. And then you have to go to, you know, rehab, which is, uh, you know, going into nature and not having your cell phone and realizing, oh, there's more to life than being behind a computer screen. Mm-hmm. The, the Gemini in me is like, yes, give me attention. No, don't look at me. <gasps> You're a crazy Gemini. That's what my boyfriend is. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, you guys For are fun. a handful. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen the good side. I haven't seen the 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 dark the dark side of the twins. <laughs> I feel like it only ever manifests for me on the days where like it'll be a day where I get really bad news, but then suddenly I get some really good news, and then I just feel this weird like pulling in opposite directions, like chaos incarnate. <laughs> Well, that's why, as a Libra, I got your bag. Wherever you go, I'll be on the other side of it. (laughs) I'm a Libra. Oh, Libras. I'm in a Libra sandwich right now. Yeah. Ooh, it's a cold hug. (laughs) (laughs) It's a cold hug. Are you a 1990s baby, too? 89. I'm an 80s baby. 89. So you're not a dragon. So it's 89, 90, 91? I'm a snake. Yeah. You're a snake, a snake, a, a horse, snake. and a sheep walk into a bar. I'm a slithery <laughs> <Yeah>. snake. <laughs> you know what's funny though is the older I get, the, as speaking of like dichotomy of personalities, I feel so mm-hmm. aligned with my shadow self, like the dark half. And it made sense to me growing up. I love Disney villains. I always were was far more fascinated with the bad guys than the good guys. Mm-hmm. And it for the longest time though, I'm like, no, you're you're a good person. You're a good guy. But now that I'm in my 30s, I'm like, no, I'm going to be a villain. (laughs) (laughs) Unintentionally, I'm listening to YouTube playlists that are like uh, watching the world burn while your enemies weep. And it's just like very classical, heavy, intense music. And that's what I work to now. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I can be Ursula. Like, let's go. Yeah, real evil queen energy. (laughs) Yeah, because I think it's good energy to work with. It's very, you know, powerful. Mm hmm. The other day I thought of you, Tim, because I, I recently got a a pink blazer and a pair of pink dress pants. Um, and I tried and I tried to put the blazer over my shoulders like you had at Spectrum a few years ago yeah. when you had your supervillain moment 
where you oh, were big queen energy oh that's some cersei stuff it that's was a k-drama rich woman it was fantastic <laughs> like the whole time you were talking about being this the villain i was just thinking of this moment so at spectrum uh fantastic art live a few years ago i was it was my first time doing that event working it and i was behind my table and i'm talking to a customer and i happen to look over the customer's shoulder and i see tim across the way looking at jock cooper's newest art book which was like uh this yellow book but then they also had a, a special edition that was gold and so i look up from talking to this customer and i just see tim looking down at this book and pulling it out of its sleeve and there's just gold reflecting up on him with this white blazer just over his shoulders arms not in the sleeves uh like a button-up shirt underneath that and and i think did you have like a yellow tie i forget if you had a tie gold he doesn't remember but, he was just living his truth but i just it's I up just to you and this- your memory of this to remember like he's he's a mythological figure in this moment yeah and and I had to keep my cool with this customer who's like talking to me, has no idea what is going on behind them. And Tim makes eye contact with me and just smirks. <laughs> and I had to hold myself together so much from laughing because I could not contain how hilarious and on brand and super villain looking you looked at that moment. It's like a howl from Howl's Moving Castle. <gasps> Actually, real quick, I rewatched Howl's. Do you know why he doesn't wear his coat? His wings? Yes. If you look at the back pattern, they're wing. Uh, the, yeah, well, on one of them, they're actually wings. And then when he transforms, the coat becomes his wings. Oh. That's why he never oh, actually. Okay. That, that's my favorite Ghibli film. It. It's got so many layers to it. And the first time you watch it, you go, that didn't mean anything. And then the second time you watch it, you cry because it means so much. And then the third time you watch it, you notice stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It, 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 mm, it's so rich. Ghibli in general just amazes me. And I have one friend that can't stand it. I'm like, you uncultured swine. Speaking of what we were saying earlier. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. She's my best friend. I would never say that. But honestly. But uh, I, rewatched, I rewatched Kiki's Delivery Service because as a kid, I remember not being crazy fond of it. But as an adult, I like fell in love with it. I realized mm-hmm. how much it is about having a work ethic balance between what you love versus giving yourself time outside of work. And as a kid, obviously over my head, but as an adult, I was like, I relate to this. So yeah, Ghibli <laughs> movies are magic. Yeah, every couple of years you should revisit them. I I can't believe how much Princess Mononoke. I love Princess Mononoke. Yeah, it, it so shaped fun. my art. It shaped the way I wanted to do storytelling. It shaped my appreciation of music. And I watched it one time when I was like 13. Mm-hmm. And I only recently revisited it. And upon doing that, I, I just... It all came back to me in such a beautiful way. And I, I just realized how many things have been impacted by my viewing of that movie. Yeah, my similar, but with Spirited Away and realizing yeah. that no one's actually a villain. It's perception. And I, I love it. I love how Ghibli movies mm-hmm. kind of changed the game for a lot. A lot of our generation of artists, you know, I think we all kind of were influenced by Ghibli. 
Yeah. And something that I really respect about Ghibli that's behind the scenes is that that studio isn't operating with like the desire to grow. It's not a company yeah. that wants to be bigger and get grander and do more uh, broad things the way that like Disney is. And that's the only company that exists anymore. Um, and I really respect that. And I myself want to be somebody who makes things that are good that doesn't necessarily need to get to a grand scale to just be good and to do good in the world. I feel that. It's admirable. It's something that more of us, I think, are leaning into the more that we see these factory uh, produced films, as I call them. And especially with what you're saying with Disney, everything it touches, it takes on this different persona of very safe and very predictable. And yeah. I, I feel like it's gotten its fangs a little bit into even Pixar and Marvel and Star Wars and all these other franchises that, I mean, I haven't really watched a superhero movie in four years because I, I low-key think they're kind of all terrible. But I will say when Pixar was at its prime, it was like a game changer. And then you slowly saw it kind of become more focused on money. And I don't even blame mm-hmm. them entirely because as their studio got bigger, like what you're saying, it's way more people's families that need to be fed. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. way more at risk. So I can see why a company feels like they can't take as many artistic risks or have like, you know, these integrity stories because they have to play it safe to make sure all the people that they're hired uh, get paid. Yeah. And that's where we come in with our (laughs) tiny teams and our bizarre ideas and our love for the absurd. That's us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really curious to see... um, just to see, thirty years from now, what kind of animations are going to be available to us? How we're going to be consuming art and media, especially right now, since there's such an incredible push. This is not the topic that we decided to talk about at all, but <laughs> there's been such an incredible push online towards video content. Yeah, and especially for traditional artists, it's starting to feel right now like there's not really a place for us on the grand social media scale. And I, I don't know if that's going to, like, we know that social media will, can dictate people's styles, what they choose to do, the kind of work that they try to make. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, I could be painting and instead I'm making fucking dog drooling gifts. So I'm just curious for the next couple of years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, what this landscape is going to, uh, if it's going to implode, if it's going to be embraced, how it changes and affects the things that people make. I get a little nervous thinking about that. I do think we're heading in a direction of very quick, snappy produced things. And we things already, that are we're already there. Yeah. Actually, facts. And you know how there's different ages of art? Uh, I really do believe we're in the age of consumerism or commercialism, as I call it. And every mm-hmm. art piece that is created nowadays, even from younger artists, sadly, there has to be a double uh, intention for it rather than just you know, pursuing your passion. It also has to have a price tag. It has to be a YouTube promotion. It has to be a TikTok video. And I agree with you. I'm nervous that because of this, uh, people aren't going to focus on their creative original ideas or even just the fundamentals of art to have like a good foundation to work upon. Uh, It's a little nerve wracking. And I don't want oil painters and this, this type of art styles that I really enjoy become more and more niche and slowly become uh, irrelevant. And I would hate that. I would hate that. I have faith that that won't happen just because everything is a pendulum. It's always swinging back and forth. I always say that too. Yeah. (laughs) 
like 2020 <laughs> was crazy. And I think we're now seeing uh-huh. it kind of swing the other way a bit. Yep. And it's going to get crazy again. It's just the inevitability of that back and forth. Um, and so, yes, right now we're in this consumerist place. But I think that slowly we're going to become very thirsty for high competency and incredible, mm-hmm. uh, in- incredible art. That's it. <laughs> I I don't know if you guys have had thoughts about this before, and I know we're way off topic, but uh, the, you know what? I'm in the boat. Okay. Yeah, Beth we're going down be, the river. Beth is the one that edits us, so <laughs> this is kind of a, a a very blunt opinion. But I feel like it has been easier to get ahead in the modern age because so many people focus on quantity over quality. That mm-hmm. I don't even like when I look at my stuff. Like, I know that I'm better than where I was before, but when I compare myself to modern artists as a whole, I do feel like I put a little more effort and patience into creating the work and which creates usually a more fuller piece. But, but, hold on, there's a big but, big but. When I compare myself to Renaissance artists or like 16th century artists or even the early 1900 artists, I am trash. And I look at them and I'm thinking, you guys are so much better than where I'm at that if I was alive during your time, I, I would struggle to make it as an artist. But you're probably better at drawing babies than they are. <laughs> oh, yeah, they the have back. a trouble with babies. <laughs> you just look like tiny old men. Tiny oh, old men. And then actually, cats, which have like old man faces. <laughs> yeah. Specifically, 14 and 1500 artists, uh, century artists, they really struggled with babies. So I kind of get that. But we also have Google references to help with babies. <laughs> it helps. Tim's over here Googling babies every day. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Beth, and you know that. But what you might not know is that I'm a Denik Notebook ambassador. So why? Well, back in 2018, my tax man told me I needed a planner, so I just went into an Office Depot and grabbed a cute one. It was made by a company called Denik, and that started one of the most long-term relationships of my life because I liked that planner so much, I went ahead and bought five of their Stay Flat notebooks. I signed up for their ambassador program because I was already telling people to buy them. No one asked me to make this ad. I had to look up what they're called, but I just love the classic Lay Flat notebooks. They have a Smithsonian binding so their spines look tidy on a shelf. They're the perfect A5 size, and most importantly, they do indeed lay flat on your desk, regardless of what page you're turned to. I've never had to fight these to get them to stop creeping clothes while I'm writing. And Denik works with and pays a wide range of artists to create illustrations for their velvety soft covers. So, if you're in need of a notebook, planner, or even sketchbooks, head over to Denik.com, that's D-E-N-I-K, Dot com and enter code BRAD, B-E-R-A-D, at checkout for 15% off your order. That's denik.com. Find your favorite thing there and then enter code BRAD at checkout for 15% off your order. Thanks. Back to the show. You know what, though? If we want to swing it back on topic, uh, you mentioned Spectrum before. I was blown away by the life drawing session they had at that night because there was a contortionist and she was phenomenal. And I remember setting up my things, being like, okay, well, I'm getting ready to draw another baseball bat. And here she is doing like the most beautiful mooka pose that I've ever seen. 
And I was like, oh, is this what life drawing actually is? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had that thought. I, very similarly to you, I went to school in Detroit. And uh, the models that we had in Detroit, while I love and respect everybody who gave their time, and it's, it's truly so much time and it's hard on your body to do this kind of work. And I have a quick aside about that later on. The majority of the models that I was working with were older men who were out of shape. Uh, It was very rare for us to have a a young person. Moving out to Los Angeles, now I take life drawing classes at the Animation Guild, and every model is six foot eight, skinny, a woman, uh, incredible at what she does, the most beautiful, elegant poses. We get a wide range of of races out here. Not a lot of men, I will say. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But in Michigan, we had one young woman who was a model, just one. And we didn't know her name. We called her Foxy because she had a tattoo on her lower back that said Foxy in papyrus. (laughs) (laughs) That was done on purpose. (laughs) Oh, papyrus. Oh, this is a good question for you two. Did you draw the tattoos on your models? Oh. I did half the time. I can't. I can't remember if we had any tattooed models. I do remember one that had nipple piercings that we that that I did draw. Um but no no tattoos that I can remember. Sometimes even today, sometimes I feel a little bit weird when I'm like really making a boob look good. Yeah. Why? Yeah, so you get those 30-minute poses. I, what do you mean why? Cuz I don't know. Sometimes you get those 30 minute poses and you could do the full figure or your teacher's like, hey, let's you could isolate just this one portion. And so I choose the clavicle, the shoulder and the breast and just do like a a beautiful torso. Right. And I get the clavicle and shoulder all put together. The torso is in the right place. And now it's time to make this thing shine. And it's like and you it's 20 minutes of polishing, 20 minutes of making that that core shadow really look round. It's fun. Hey, guys, it's really fun to render boobies. Because they've got weight Mm -hmm. and they're soft and they have like the bounce shadow. All the things that you enjoy about drawing happen in the booby. But I won't I won't stand here and say that I feel 100 percent comfortable. And and is Tim seems to feel very comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love the human body. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, like you're just doing a specific study of a part of the body. It's fine. Is this me? Interesting. Oh, interesting. I wonder what this says about you. <laughs> oh, I feel, I feel... Oh. It's okay. I, <laughs> if it makes you feel better, I'm, like, far too comfortable drawing the human body. I'm very hippie at mm-hmm. heart. So to me, I'm like, yes, like, let's explore the different crevices and, like, different parts of the body that may mm-hmm. normally not see the day of light. Uh, or the light of day. <laughs> the day of light. <laughs> uh, but I will say it is sometimes uncomfortable when, for instance, one of my models fell asleep midway through mm-hmm. and they kept slightly moving. To me, that's the only time I'm kind of uncomfortable doing life drawing. I'm like internally yeah. upset with the model. <laughs> like, yeah. Or if they check their phone constantly. Oh, <gasps> that was a thing for you? Uh huh. There was one woman at in Detroit who just all of us were so frustrated with her anytime that she was the model in the class because we knew she would just periodically move 
grab her phone, look at it, put it back, try to get back into the position that she was initially in. And she was never, she never got it right. Oh. Yeah. And so we'd all just be like, <laughs> new page. It, it's like that situation where you're just like, do you think you're good enough at this that you could just go right back to that pose that you had Ugh. and it's perfect? No, no, you can't. No. You cannot do that. It's like when you go to measure something by just like using your fingers and you're just like, I'm going to open my my thumb and forefinger like this much and measure this and it'll be totally accurate. Is that what you did with your chair? Yeah. You try to do that with your, your put your arm yeah. down from I'm the ground gonna, to where the bottom of your chair is supposed to be? Be like, yeah, it's it's one arm length long. That's so you run downstairs to my yardstick while keeping yeah. my arms the right length. No, I'm just gonna run over to my neighbor's house and be like, Bill, do you have a a, a measuring tape? Can you measure my arms? Bill, measure me. <laughs> Bill, how long am I? Yeah. <laughs> Shouts out to Bill. From this freckle to the tip. <laughs> yeah. Well, and speaking um, of poses that they clearly they're not the same. Did you ever have? an older model that tries to do a very tough pose and you know mm-hmm. you just know when you look at it for the first 10 seconds you're like there's no give way him a stick yeah yeah give him a, just give him a <laughs> stick i'm always like bruce do you really want to lift that leg up for 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> i do remember i think there was one time i had a, a class that was a figure painting class i remember one of our models choosing a really difficult pose for like a a significant amount of time, like maybe 30 minutes. And I think after 10 minutes, our teacher was like, we're going to make this a 15 minute one because I think we could see them like shaking (laughs) because of like muscle fatigue of like trying to hold the pose, which is it's so hard to do. It really is. Can I share with you guys a, a sad story? This yes. is a comedy art <laughs> podcast. We're not about realness. Well, it's about to get real. Uh, this is genuinely sad. We had an incredible model. His name was Ron. He was up there in age, but he wasn't significant. He was not, not a very old man. Um, and he, he was beloved. Anytime that you had Ron in your class, that guy would go above and beyond for the class. His poses were incredible. He was solid as a stone. Um, he was really funny and he was cool with, with the freshmen. If they were uncomfortable, he would do stuff and like wiggle around and make people laugh. Like we all had uh, a lot of affection for Ron and I have hundreds, hundreds of drawings of Ron because he was so popular. Well, some of the strengths of Ron as a, a figure model is he would hold poses throughout his breaks. He wouldn't take breaks. What? My eyes just got so big. Yeah. And... (laughs) Uh, my senior year, after drawing this man for for hours and hours and hours, knowing, just like you said, every crevice of a person. Like, I didn't know Ron personally. We never went out for drinks or talked much beyond the classroom. Um, but you, you really get to know these people intimately because of how often you've drawn them. Every crease, every laugh line, uh, the way that their, their bodies fold and move. Um, he passed away from a blood clot. Uh. as a direct result of him not taking care of his body because of his commitment to modeling for us. And what happens is if you hold yourself in the same position for a very long time, your cardiovascular system has a really hard time pumping blood through your veins and it can cause a blood clot. It's why if you work at a desk, you're supposed to stand up and walk around a lot because 
it's it really bad for your body to sit for long periods of time. Um, and yeah, Ron ended up passing away from that. To that point in my life, it was the the most impactful death I had ever experienced in such an unusual way because I, I didn't know him, mm-hmm. not emotionally, but I knew him so well physically. And to to have so much history with a body and have that body no longer exist anymore was like really affecting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, I, I I yeah no bits. It's not a funny story. Um, it is just it's it's it taught me that like the models that you have, the connection that you have to those models is real and important and like I will remember Ron for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And the last illustration I ever did of him, um, he had a skeleton behind him and he had a the skeleton's hand he had put on his shoulder and he was looking down at the skeletal hand that was on his shoulder. Uh, and then, and then he passed away. Oh, weird. And my teacher bought that piece for $200. How do you still remember the price tag? <laughs> because Capitalism, I grew up baby. poor. Oh, <gasps> so did I. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I don't know why that's such a great thing to relate on. Like, oh, you grew up poor? Like, oh, grew, yeah, yeah, me too. We get the same experience. Yeah, yeah. I that's a whole nother tangent. I don't even go down that route. We should have you on again to go down other routes. Obviously, this, this <laughs> I love is... talking about art and like things that are related to it. I think more people should be listening to things like this just because I do think art needs a resurgence. I think it is falling down kind of this weird trap kind of led by social media. So I think yeah. breaking free from it, it's very difficult, but I think it's necessary. We've talked about our experiences figure drawing and and where we sit in the room and whatnot, but we haven't talked about observing the reactions of other people experiencing figure drawing for the first time, which as somebody who is a teacher is one of those nice little perks of teaching that like you, you just didn't expect teaching art is just to see the look on a student's face who's never done figure drawing before. (laughs) <laughs> I got fired from my teaching job at AI. What? Um, I I convinced three students to quit because I didn't think they were qualified and I thought they were wasting money. And I got fired because they found out about it. <laughs> Dude, I had a mentor in, in college who set me aside and he said, like, the hardest thing about doing this job was that he was not allowed to do what you did. Yeah. I didn't know you couldn't do that. <laughs> Yeah, he was like, I want so bad. There are people who spend so much money working so hard and you know mm-hmm. that it, this is not the path for you, at least yeah. not at this point in your life. Yeah. But you can't say that because college is a business. Well, yeah, and the school is like a hundred grand. But I, I couldn't sit there and ethically continue knowing this kid that can barely draw like the basic form of a human body in his senior year. I'm like, ooh, ooh you like, did it senior just, year. Ooh. I know. So, like, I only saved them 30 grand, but, uh, but speaking of the life drawing thing, yeah, the question, this one guy, Clyde, he showed me his life drawing and, like, none of them had, 
None of them had nipples on the females. Yes. Anime boy. I'm like, why do your figures look like mannequins? And he's like, I, you know, I just really don't feel comfortable drawing the nipple. And you could just tell he was really awkward about it. And he's like, is that all right if I, you know, turn in the assignment without it? I was like, no, Clyde. I'm going to need you to draw the nipples next time. That's and... such a weird <laughs> sentence to say. <laughs> like, if you just think about like, if you take that sentence out of the context of this discussion. I'm going to need like, you to no, draw the Clyde, nipples. I'm going to need you to draw the nipples. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, my favorite thing was, this is even after I, I quit teaching, or I quit. I, I like how I remember it as quitting, but I got fired. Uh, <laughs> I made it a, a very big um, intention that whenever I drew male characters, I would always draw the nipples. Because for some reason, I see this on a lot of male characters. It's just, there's nothing there. And it's just right? like a mm-hmm. chest. And I'm thinking, it's okay, guys. Why, we don't have to be afraid of nipples. They're fine. I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm listening. Mm-hmm. I should not be afraid of the booby. I should not be afraid of yeah. the nipple. <laughs> Beth, embrace. Well, it doesn't nipples. sound like you're afraid of of the boobie. I'm not or afraid. The of, I'm just too. I'm. I was thinking about Sounds it. Sounds like you after might be we mesmerized it. by it. Hey, <laughs> you hey, appreciate it. words of. I appreciate it too much. I think it's like I don't feel that way. Drawing a butt, love to draw a butt. Love to draw a back. Love to draw legs, toes, fingies, all of it. Face, hell yeah. Open your mouth. I'll draw the teeth. No problem. I think there's something about the boobie. That feels intimate to me in like a, I, I am, this is your, this is a private part of your body. And for me to be sculpting it with pencil is like, is it, it's inappropriate. Why do I feel I'm, you know what? I'm going to go away. we're all Midwestern babies. That's why. I suppose so. <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to go away. I'm going to think about this. For a couple of weeks, I'm going to come back and have a little, a little more conversation about this because clearly, I have some unresolved issues with a, the booby. Or you're just shy about your eagerness to want to draw the booby. Am I eager to draw the booby? You spent a half hour or twenty minutes yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah, I'll come back. I'll come back to you on that. <laughs> I'm happy for Clyde though. Did he ever yeah. draw a nipple? Uh, he quit the next day. <laughs> oh, that was the line that he would not cross. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, poor Clyde. <laughs> what about you, Andrew? What about the students that you've taught? As a student, I was helping to instruct a figure drawing class. And the very first day I get there, the teacher and I set everything up. We're waiting on the students. The students all file in. The model, like, they take the robe off and they get into their, like, pose. And I will never forget just standing in the back of the classroom, looking around and just seeing a mix of some kids hiding behind their sawhorse, like, just barely containing like snickering because they just that was their reaction to like feeling awkward yeah then you had other people who just went like blank face Mm -hmm. don't react don't react don't react then you had other kids who just like looked away and like wouldn't look at the model 
going to be tough. It's going to be a tough drawing class for them. Yeah. And it was just so funny to see their first reaction. You ever get a talker? (gasps) Like a model that talks? No, not a model that talks, but like a person who, when they're uncomfortable, they just start talking about stuff. Not, not in that setting. I've also, I've never had a run-in with a student or a peer who like talked about the model. I've heard about that happening. That's mortifying. You you never fucking do that. No, uh, but I have been in a class with a guy who, when when he is insecure, he just like states Marvel facts, <laughs> just rattles off a bunch of stuff about superheroes or about like historical <laughs> illustrators that nobody else knows about. Tim's head is currently at a forty five degree angle. <laughs> I I don't know. It's it's such an interesting room because. Like I said earlier, insecurities abound. Insecurities about the human form, insecurities about one's own ability to draw, insecurities about drawing in front of other people. And so you kind of find out about yourself and about others when they're put to uh, an uncomfortable situation like that. Yeah. And different folks have different reactions, just like you said. Yeah. It's I, I fit into the um, blank face. I fit into the, like, the, I will be the model student. I will not laugh. I will be respectful. And I yeah. will look. Mm-hmm. I think that was what I did as well. Like I was very much the blank face. Like don't don't react. You can't let anybody else know your like this is, reaction. This like, is how an adult would look. Yeah. Like <laughs> business, 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 business. Like, no. I just need to draw this thing. <laughs> I feel like I definitely Jack Dawson from Titanic didn't like have my eyes just hovering over my drawing and like mm-hmm. very oh, so you, serious you, looks. you swapped. You swapped uh, roles with James Cameron as he did the drawing, and then you just were there for the shots of your face. I just heard about that the other day. I had no idea he drew that. We had a whole episode about, uh, well, not a whole episode, but a third of an episode where I talked about Jack. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) I like when the music played in the background and like it had Rose's theme on, you know, it's delicately uh, tinkering on the piano keys, and he's just very intimately scanning her body and drawing it. Uh, I don't know. I to me, I felt that I was like, yeah, like art is so intimate, and you're in a moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But usually, artists aren't as good looking as Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> what are you are you saying? We're not as good looking as Leonardo. I'm saying no, I always felt like his name of course weird. we're not as good looking I as Leonardo DiCaprio. So What'd you say? I said, Le- I said like Leonardo. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, if you wanna, if you want me to tell you that you look like Leonardo DiCaprio every time we do don't, a, a recording, don't, I'll, don't lie, please I'll, don't. I mean, I'm not lying. I've told everybody already that you have those strong muscles that you have, <laughs> and now I'm gonna go ahead and tell them that you have Leo's face. You're just setting them up for disappointment. <laughs> well, they all think that I'm obsessed with sex rabbits, so well, tit for tat. Are you? No. Oh. <laughs> I feel like we're kind of close to finishing talking about figure drawing, but I do have one final figure drawing related story. Yes, please. So my sophomore year of college, I took a figure painting class and we were encouraged to make our own canvases and stretch the fabric and gesso it and everything. Did you make it out of skin? <laughs> And then we became a true crime podcast. Um, (laughs) No, because I'm not a murderer. Um, You could do it. You could get a pig. It doesn't have to be your sister. (laughs) 
No, but the human skin has such a good texture and it's porous. Yeah. It would really absorb the ink swell. It's got that it's, balance. It's that texture. Um, I like the thin layer of hair. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like, you, you just like painting on a peach, basically. <laughs> yeah, but it's not a peach. <laughs> um. So yeah, we we were encouraged to stretch our own canvases and also go large. And so I did this canvas that was like fifty four inches wide. Whoa! Um, by twenty eight <laughs> or thirty some inches tall. So it's just this very long horizontal canvas. Why? Because I was I wanted to show off. I don't know. That's so big. And I took. And I took that into class one day and the model sets up and we, they had this green chair and this uh, this one model who is like famous at at my school uh, who like still models there today. He, Why are they famous? Did they were they in a movie? It, no, it's just because like it, so many artists have painted him and drawn him over the years. Like he's just got this oh. big red beard mm. and you would even see him out and about like on weekends if you went like out in columbus like you would sometimes see him like like in the wild and you're just like your brain kind of breaks a little bit because you're so used to seeing them naked and now you're seeing them it's like when you see a teacher in public at the grocery store and you're in like second grade and your teacher's not at the school yeah you're like you only exist in this one space you're not allowed to exist outside of this space and so anyway this guy he poses and he ends up doing like a Jeff Goldblum. He does like the Jeff Goldblum pose. Nice. Like on the couch, like laying down and his junk is just straight at me. Nice. And and at that point, I decided to just paint. Put that paint perspective that. grid down. Yeah, you know. Vanishing point right up the urethra. <laughs> I mean, that is how you start a drawing, right? You got to figure out where the urethra is and then establish <laughs> your vanishing point. From there. <laughs> That's how perspective works. <laughs> It gets tricky when you get past one point, though. You have two points. We should make a class on Gumroad. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> everybody perspective just, for the pervert. Everybody just ends up drawing like a penis in perspective. <laughs> Peenspective. I'm sorry, Andrew. Go on. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't. I can't gloss over Peenspective. <laughs> That's too good. Um, yeah, so I left off with Dong right at my face. And I did the painting, and it was a good-ass painting, but it just sat at my parents' house for years. And then, <gasps> I think it was like four years ago, my dad's side of the family started doing a white elephant gift exchange. <gasps> and I got the idea, because I am the, the prankster of my family, I decided to use that painting as my white elephant gift. Yes. And oh, there's um, nothing better than that idea. And my oh my god. And my okay. So did Grandma get it? My cousin, my cousin, <laughs> who's a little bit older than me, my cousin Emily ended up getting it. Does Emily feel uncomfortable around um, red bearded weenie boys? Emily and I have like very similar senses of humor and so at these damn it at these I white wanted, elephant gift i exchanges. wanted your conservative aunt to get the big <laughs> painting of the donger oh my aunt on that side of the family is super i, I took a stab in the dark i don't know if <laughs> <my conservative laughs> she's she's like a hippie i think 
if my grandma white elephanted into a painting like that from me, she would she would silently accept it. And then I would never see that painting again. <laughs> see, on the opposite side of that is what happened in my family, where I get tagged in photos that my cousin and her friends and now her husband take in their house that has the painting behind them because it's like prominently displayed in their like yes. living room. So I just get tagged as, as the, the naked man in all of these yes. like Facebook photos. And it's it's become yeah. this like running joke where like my cousin Emily and I refer to it as the naked man. Mm -hmm. So after several years of being tagged this past year at Christmas, my cousin Emily sends me an image and I open it on my phone. Her husband had commissioned another artist to do a portrait of them in their house as Simpsons characters. And they included the naked man in the background. So oh there is the naked man now exists in two <laughs> in two iterations. And it's just my favorite thing, how it's evolved. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah, good. Timothy, thank you for being with us and talking about bodies. I have one final question for you before I let you get into your plugs and what you've been working on. Your favorite coffee mug. We want to know what your favorite coffee mug is. Yes. Uh, I do love coffee mugs, as I assume most artists do. I really like mugs that have animals representing the whole mug. So I have like a manatee mm -hmm. mug. But I have to admit, if I had to pick a favorite, I'd collect Halloween mugs specifically. I'm a big Halloween nut. Ah. There's an artist called J.P. Parker, I believe. And they make new mugs every year. And they're in the shape of animals usually. And there's like bats and clowns that are fun. And I buy them every year. So now we have a cabinet of just Halloween mugs. And there's like too many. And they're beautiful. Oh, they're so cute. Aren't they great? The spider's my favorite. <gasps> oh, my God. I feel like those are the, the, the Halloween equivalent of the Campbell's mug that I talked about on our mug episode and sent you <laughs> yeah they've got some of that that early early 1900s kitsch yeah um so yes those would be my favorite mugs i love halloween so every year i usually pick up a few more halloween ones oh and transitioning into the plug then <laughs> that would be i'm hosting drawtober for the fourth year and i'm very excited yeah if you've ever seen the hashtag drawtober timothy's the one who's behind that he started that can you tell us what drawtober is Oh, yes. I poorly assume people know this. Uh, <laughs> uh, Drawtober, unfortunately, the name Drawloween was taken. I wish I would have taken that, but we settled with Drawtober, but not that I'm bitter or anything. Uh, so we started four <laughs> years ago as like a monthly drawing challenge, as most of, uh, you know, the art community already knows of like Inktober and the popular one. Uh, mm -hmm. But we wanted to start ours that was more Halloween focused. And we started it with the 31 days, but then now it's shifted over the years into only six prompts over the span of 31 days. So that way you can still be a part of this community driven challenge, but still enjoy the best month of the year. And uh, we now theme every year to be kind of specific in one realm. Last year was Harvest Festival, and that was a blast. And then this year is going to be Carnival. And this is right down my alley. I'm very excited. I'm going to do interactive ones. So stay tuned if you want to see some paper doll animations. That sounds so cool. Before we started recording, Tim gave us a little sneak peek on what they are. And guys, gonna buckle be cool. up your pants because they're going to fly right off. <laughs> <Better> <laughs> buckle up your pants. 
better wear your brown pants because you're gonna shit yourself. <laughs> yeah. So thank you guys for having me on the show. This is wonderful. Yeah. Where can people find you? Uh, at my house most days. All right. What's the uh, address? If you don't want them to. <laughs> I had it. I actually no, had to change my home address on the return labels because I started getting things in the mail. And one time we got this box full. It had straw. It smelled weird. And I was like, this is, I know. And then me and my, you know, 25 year old Wisconsin self, I was like, well, let's, let's see what's inside. So like, I bring it in and as I cut it open, it wasn't a bomb. Gwyneth Paltrow's head. (laughs) What's in the box? What's What's in in the box? box? Uh, Yes. And it was a pack of bath bombs. So technically they were bombs, but they were... Hold on, you, said, you have said yes about the head? I've learned what? from you doing podcasts, <laughs> yes, even listening. You, uh, your background, you have some improv. And you know what's funny is I was just watching RuPaul's Drag Race and they talked about improv and you do it very well. Well, you'll never... Oh, thank you. You will, like, whenever Andrew's talking about something, you'll never negate it. It's always yes. And then you build it. I'm like, oh! She she does improv. She she knows how to do this. So I was like, at some point during their few. So I was like, during their podcast, I'm just gonna say yes and even if it doesn't totally make sense. But here, uh, I'll give you I'll give you an advanced improv tip. You gotta play to the top of your intelligence or the top of your character's intelligence. And so sometimes uh, negating is necessary. So a no and is necessary when somebody comes out the bat and is like, is it a bloody head in your box? You can say. No, actually, it was a uh, bath bombs. Because if you say yes and it was bath bombs, then I get to be like, oh. Oh, "This guy likes heads in his box." <laughs> it was a buy a head, get a bath bomb for free deal. Is that what they're doing at Bed Bath and Beyond? Is that what the Beyond is? <laughs> head, I mean- Bath, and Beyond. <laughs> Now that I know this lesson, I will no longer accept such ridiculous accusations. Proud of you. There's growth has happened here. I, Timothy has learned improv. Uh, I have learned that I'm weird about boobies and Andrew has learned. um... I'm gonna let you sit with this one. (laughs) 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 I've learned that I say Um, the word like too much. Oh, but <laughs> it's okay. Working on it. I mean, it's would okay. it help if we interject a few likes, like right now, like 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 to help balance? Yeah, I can just go ahead and slice those in in between our sentences, so we're all unified. Yeah. Like. Oh my gosh. Oh, but yes, they can find me on Instagram under the name at Von Perfect. Link there in the description go. down below. Sorry, long trail to get to the destination there. Anyways, thank you guys again. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Thanks for being on. Absolutely. Tweet at us at your art friends or email us at yourartfriendspod at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. And we're trying to figure out right now uh how to incorporate your questions into like a little segment in the in the podcast. So be on the lookout for us asking questions, dude. Hit, hit us up. You can find me at BethTheRad on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, Mondays, and now Thursdays. Changed my schedule around. We're doing oh, Thursday wow. evening streams and Monday morning streams. 
And do you have another podcast? I do. D and D and D. My dinner and my Whoa. my dinner in Dungeons and Dragons Your dinner podcast. party role played podcast. Yep. I play Mildred Sticks, a uh, almost 200-year-old, or maybe after 200 years. She just doesn't know her birthday. She was bored on the streets. She's an old, grumpy lady who might have special blood. We'll find out. I'm, I'm very excited. Our podcast is getting near <laughs> to the end of, of uh, its run. I think we're going to have, like, one, maybe two more seasons, and then and then we're finished. And, like, Marjorie's Endgame? I'm... I don't know what's going to happen because it's all off the dome, but no, no spoilers because I'm a fan, dude. If it happens the way that I am envisioning something to happen, it's going to be pretty wild. And that's all I can say. D&D and D now on all podcast platforms. We are no longer Spotify exclusive, but you are Spotify preferred. I'm Schmander Art. You can find me at Schmander Art pretty much everywhere. That's TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, sometimes Twitch, I don't have a schedule, so if you're hoping to catch me one day during the week, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, you can find prints and other art cool things on my website at schmanderart.com. And this is my only podcast, so I can't advertise another one. Well, we have come to the end of the podcast. Sometimes we were serious, and sometimes it was just tomfoolery. Shout out to famed 16th century court jester Tom Fool. What? What? Oh, but that's just what you get when two friends who met because of a shared love of making things and a bare ass hang out together. Yeah. We had a third today. We did. Three friends who met because of a shared love of ass. Well, he didn't see the butt. I said a shared love of ass, Andrew. Your Art Friends is a Park Media production. Our music is by Andrew Smith. You can listen to his music on Spotify and iTunes under the name Makeshift Radio. 